T-shirt off the website. I don't know. <laughs> should we send him a T-shirt? We think? should. I have to. We have his address. Did he pay? I guess is the most important. He question. paid and then it got returned, and there was some technical difficulty. Oh, he got his money back. He did, okay. and then. Uh, but I got his uh, information. What I should have done, were I on top of things, was yeah. to contact him, apologize, and send him something. That's what normal people do. Yeah, we should do that. Uh, we so, should. We should. But um. God, what a freaking week. Tell me about it. Uh, um, and we're crack. Are we crack? Uh, and we're back. Welcome to Recovery in the Middle Age. All right, can we start that again? No. Welcome <laughs> to Recovery in the Middle Ages, the podcast expensive. about two middle-aged suburban dads in their pursuit of life, love, and recovery. I'm Nat X. Oh, we're doing last names? Well, no, I'm branding a little bit. Okay. Branding. And I'm uh, Mike are the beleaguered attorney. <laughs> and boy, do we have a show for you today on RMA. The guys fight the feeling. Oh. Anxiety, <laughs> depression, and general malaise creep in as summer burns on. And our first ever recovery in the news special edition episode. All this and more today on a very special edition of RMA. <laughs> You know, YouTube can go fuck itself. <laughs> I pressed that button like 30 hoping, seconds ago. Uh, <laughs> well, this is a very, very special edition. Uh, as I said in my little promo there, uh, today is our uh, recovery in the news spectacular special edition. Boom. Yeah. All right. In the news special edition. Recovery in the news. Coming in your ear holes yeah, this week. So, holes. just do it. <laughs> do it. <laughs> so, why are we doing a recovery in the news special this week? I'll tell you why. Why? We, we had a guest lined up who didn't work out. No, you know, and um, we were really excited about this guest, and uh, he got cold feet. Yeah, it so, happens. You know, I, who wants to talk about. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Who really wants to get on and bear their soul in yeah. front of, you know, thousands of people? He'll, we'll get him Dozens on eventually. We, we even, I had the great, a lot of questions. He's very entertaining. I, I mean, was in rehab with him. Yeah. I should have been a little, it should have occurred to me that he might skip when he started posing questions about <laughs> the statute of limitations on certain crimes. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Well, he's got a pretty gnarly story, but yeah. we will... Um, We'll figure that one out. We will. Get them in studio. And, but anyhow. But you guys are the beneficiaries of yeah. this amazing, I think it's a great idea that we're yeah. covering the new special. It's something that we love to do on the show at the end. And there's so much happening in news and recovery right now. We were thinking of maybe just changing the show to an all news, all the time show. All news, all the time. <laughs> um, where should uh, they visit us? Before to? that, though, what? you can visit us at middleagesrecovery.com because you can find our show there and merchandise, too, which will eventually be sent to you. Um, mm -hmm. Jeff, 
Those shirts are... <laughs> oh, we're doing it, man. On the way. Yeah. Not quite on the way, it's but happening. they will be. Yeah, Jeff D made an awesome new uh, design that we just yes. forgot about. Every other design we had, and yeah. we we're going with this new one, you're going to love it. It says it all. Yeah. And I think we should put some of the other designs on other things. Oh, yeah. Mugs and I, stickers. All and those new designs that we had are shit. cool, Like, but this one really stood Yeah, this out. is a good one. This is a good one. Um, so if... You're listening to this, you probably don't know that you can find us or need to know that you can find us on Podbean or Spotify or any of the other places where podcasts are sold. But we're also on YouTube and Twitter and Facebook has been a popping lately and our new moderators are doing a great job yeah. of weeding out the crazies and <laughs> yeah, we've got deleting th- comments that are <laughs> a little out of left field. But um, About 341 yeah. members of the private of group. Of the private group. So it's very intimate. It's private. Um, we go on there every day, basically. Did we get any reviews this week? Great reviews would be read on the show, it says here. Yeah, great reviews. I was looking... Did we get something weird from Podbean? Um, we did get something weird from Podbean. Somebody um, left us a review on Podbean. That's a new one. Yeah, well, right? we're getting more and more uh, people listening to us on Podbean. and Because yeah, people hate fucking Apple. The Apple interface for podcasts what? sucks balls. People say that, but I, I like Apple. What do you? I hate it. Um, I don't know, but Spotify is going to be more I use it, and more. No, I hate it, but I use um, it. I'm looking at our uh, Podbean feed. I'm tap dancing. <laughs> yeah. Well, you find it. No, I can't find it. Uh-huh. In any case, yeah, great reviews will be read on the air, so please go ahead and do that. I was looking through our reviews, actually, because I thought, you know, we've got reviews that um, we didn't read on the air. No. Um, and... I thought maybe we could read a couple that uh, we didn't get. A couple of old ones? A couple of old ones. People um, who left them who are harboring resentments against us for not reading them after promising to do so, perhaps? Yeah. Um, so this one was great. It was, uh, uh, I think we read that one. Um, in any case, uh, oh, Ryan JJJ Chicago says, honestly, I'm in the midst of a massive struggle with addiction right now. Oh, that's good. I, I fa- mean, that's bad. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Uh, I found you guys a week or so ago and have binged a good 10 episodes. Wow. Uh, Although a regular attendee at AA, I can't seem to get sober using their model. Mm. It began to make me feel unworthy or as if if something was wrong with me. To hear you guys talk about alternatives to AA honestly gives me a huge light at the end of the tunnel, realizing this recovery deal can be done other ways. Love the show. Please keep making it. You have a new every week listener. Fantastic. Yeah, Ryan JJJ Chicago. Thank you so much. That that was a Ryan JJJ. Yeah, great Listen, review. buddy. There's nothing wrong with you. AA doesn't work for a lot of people, so yeah, don't internalize it and start thinking that you're the problem. Think, think Alcohol's of, the fucking problem. Think of AA for what it is. It is a tool, a vehicle for you to get around other people in recovery. It is not the end all be all, but it is helpful. It's a suite of tools, yeah. if you will. <laughs> very sweet very sweet um Anyhow, you can take that as you however you like um great so uh have you been in a rut lately nathaniel yeah it's been a crazy so just just catching up you know you were gone a little a little while now and you're back you where know, was i you went to mexico i've been back for weeks and for like a week and a half, a week and a half. i think of, but just like in general i have this like for a long time when we started making this podcast i i had this like manic energy you did i was and it was going on and on and I'd wake up in the morning and i'd have a million ideas and i could 
you know, I, I'm going to lose weight. And then, then I did. And I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to finish college. I'm You're just knocking all those balls boom, right out of boom, the park, boom, brother. Boom. And these last couple of weeks, man, I just feel like I'm a letdown. Like, mm. I don't know. Like I, I achieved my big goal of, of graduating college. Great. Um, I achieved my big goal of stopping being fat and then, you know, getting to a point where I'm happy with my body. Okay, goal achieved. And now there's this like letdown where I'm not feeling like, I don't know, I don't have like for my store, I'm trying to get excited about it and, you know, and give this last push here this this year. Um, there are exciting things happening, but my physical and mental is just not catching up to what's going on. And I'm feeling myself falling you know, I, I look at things in terms of, of cycles and I look back on, you know, with some perspective of, you know, what do I do? And this is, it's instructive to look at, you know, all the times I built myself back up, then sabotage myself. And then I build myself back up and then I sabotage. And I'm starting to think that maybe it's when I'm coming to where I am today, mm-hmm. where things are going good. I did achieve the goals that I set out to do that were really difficult. And I'm now at a point where I'm starting to feel that letdown coming. Mm. And I'm not sure exactly what to do about it. I think you need to set some new goals. Mm. I think you need to focus on your mental health, right? Yeah. I mean... For every period of sustained mania, and I've been I've been going through one myself the last few weeks as work has sort of ratcheted back up. Um, yeah, you know I've I've been not sleeping. I've been getting up at four o'clock in the morning. I've been working. I've been running. I've been back to lifting weights and stuff. And but I know ultimately in the back of my head that it's not sustainable, and that at some point I'm just right. going to fall off the the cliff into a mild to moderate depression. Yeah, which is usually how these things go. That's it. and and I can't seem to time it. And, and which is unfortunate because then you can leverage it. Right. Uh, but you know, in your case, man, I don't know. I mean, you got a lot of irons in the fire, I know. you know, like you're, you're a busy guy. Like you got, you got the work at the store, you got other work, you yeah. got this thing. Yeah, I picked you up know. another couple, I, you know, that medical billing job that I did, you know, which is great because it's a paycheck and it's just another thing that I'm doing. I know? just don't know when, there's only so many hours in the day. And, and at some point when, you, if you overwhelm yourself with stuff, it's yeah. like you just get paralyzed. And then if you don't feel like doing anything, at least that's how it works for me. Yeah, that, that's been my feeling lately. I just, I, I, I don't feel like excited about what I'm doing, even going to the gym now that I've got myself on this schedule of even, and I haven't been running. Mm. I, I have not. It's been like 10 days or maybe slightly more. And I just feel myself getting further and further from being able to run. I think you need to and, go out there and blows, get some endorphins going, I man. I think that's it. I think the, the big change is that I haven't been running. Mm. So maybe that's it. Running's helpful, but you, in theory, you get the same endorphin push off of lifting. But the fact that you don't feel like going to the gym after a while, it's like, you know, you and everybody else in the world, like once, yeah. once the, uh, I mean, the novelty wears off, then it's just like exhaustive effort and yeah. grinding discipline as my Zen teacher used to say. Yeah. And especially where I'm like, I'm not really looking to uh, change so much, uh, you know, my body anymore. I, I, I'm like kind of happy with where I'm at. So I don't also have that. I've got to change this about right. myself. And, you know, so that's kind of, 
it's more now I'm like in, okay, I have to stay healthy now. And sometimes mm-hmm. that's not as exciting. No, you know, there's only so many kale salads you can put into right. your body um, and get, th- get excited about it. You know, uh, so I don't know, but I've noticed it's not just me kind of having these feelings, no, I my think wife it, and you. I think it's everybody because the, you know, the world is, is opening back up. All of a sudden responsibilities are stacking up. Do you hear that? I don't hear it. Okay. It's just me then. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, it's not registering on here. Okay. So, and, and that's causing like everybody to be in like this weird fugue state, I think, because yeah. nobody's really sure what the new normal looks like, you know? Right. And that co- creates a lot of tension the and a lot of anxiety. Normal. I mean, my, we, I was just told two weeks ago that after a year and a half of sitting in my suburban home, competently working, I have to now get back in the car and drive to fucking New Jersey every day. And I can't tell you how much that's ripping my fucking soul apart yeah. because I've really enjoyed just having a life with my family and everything. And, and, yeah, you know, I find and myself, there's no reason for it. And that's the thing. Yeah. It's like, and I, I almost don't blame the company because like they're just reacting like everybody else is reacting to this right. new, like, you know, hey, everything, let's go balls to the wall. Everything's open now, but they don't realize the amount of stress that's dumping on everybody who's completely rearranged their lives to the new normal. And now they have to go back to the old normal, the old normal, you know, uh, it's, it's crazy. And, um, but I don't know, like part of me, I find myself fantasizing about another lockdown. Me too. Like, I'm rooting for COVID. I'm what like, is wrong with me? Delta variant. Yeah, I know. Like, this mm, could, yes, yes. Maybe this will shut down my office. <laughs> Give me an excuse to do something else. Yeah. Like, go get my master's or something. You know? I've been forwarding articles on the Delta variant to my boss. Like, see, see, <laughs> see. You know, he's on my side. It's the people above him that are the problem, you know. Well, it's spreading the Delta variant, you know, and a lot of it is people who are not getting vaccinated. But the truth is... Um, we don't know what's going to happen with this stuff. We don't know how vaccinated people, like different vaccines have a different, like I, my father was telling me, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you should wear a mask again because they think J&J vaccine isn't mm. as, right. you know, I hadn't seen that, but. They're he, talking about J&J folks getting a booster. Yeah, which a lot of people get angry when they hear that. And I'm like, no, I'll do a fucking Bring booster. Bring it on. <laughs> yeah, man. Like, why are we getting angry? It's no. like, if, if they're now telling us that this is going to protect me better then I'll take a fucking booster. But see, now this is the mental this is care. the mental schizophrenia, right? Because on the one hand, you're like I need the delta variant back so we can shut down and my life will be better. <laughs> on the other hand, I need to take four shots so I don't get covid, right? right. Yeah. So so I think everybody is fighting with that same dichotomy, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's tricky and uh, you know. But you're I'm, right, it's making people moody as fuck. It I'm really seeing it is. everywhere. Yep. Even my mother came and uh, visited the shop uh, yesterday and she had that far away look in her eye, you know, and it's not just because she's uh, 78 years old. Um, <laughs> you know, I can tell and, you know, my wife has been a little moodier, you know, uh, even though, and I, we were having this conversation last night, we have a lot of exciting things going on. Yes, we do. Um, not only that, our bathroom, not the, the, the shower door that exploded has now been fixed. Right. And our main bathroom for ever since we moved in, we've been waiting to take care of this bathroom. And so finally that's all done. Is that that why you guys have a dumpster in your driveway? Yes. Okay. That's exactly why. Uh, But it looks really good and that's really exciting, you know, and um, that's awesome. Noah's been doing good in camp. And uh, (laughs) today uh, I guess that they have like a class president like thing that they're doing at it's a Eastwood's camp. And, uh, and so he, he wanted to wear Today is a big vote. He's running for vice president of their nice. group or something like that. 
And uh, he's just very into it. Looks like he's having fun at camp. I dropped him off every morning. He's getting along with his brother. And uh, for the most part, you know, I'm, I'm really proud of these guys. They're, they're having a good summer. And, and uh, we've got a... Uh, just wait. We've got a, a big trip. Coming. We've got a big <laughs> trip to uh, look forward to, uh, our families. This, is that this week? That is th- this Sunday. Right. So we're all headed to uh, the whole Recovery in the Middle Ages <laughs> family posse is uh, headed to vacation. We are. And uh, I found it amusing that the only places uh, to eat at this place are uh, named the Trails End Pub or the something something brewery or the, you know, so it's all um, alcohol focused as m- much of apres skiing culture is because this water park is at a uh, ski mountain yeah. in Pennsylvania. Yes. So y- your wife got us a reservation at the Trails End Pub. So <laughs> yeah, we won't say what day we're there because we're going to be we don't want to be beset by fans. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, no, if you do see us, you know, come up for an autograph and uh, yeah, yeah. Just should kidding. we bring some shirts in case somebody <laughs> just wants in to? Case. <laughs> the three people. But with. you know what? That'll be interesting because we've never been away uh, together. Well, we we were on a Cub Scout camp out. Oh, right. But the, we weren't really that was buddies before this. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I think it'll be great. It'll be a, a meeting of the minds and. The families and the water slides and I'm looking forward to it. Be wholesome family entertainment. Yeah. So what, what happened in your life? Yeah. Let me ask you a question. Um, Because you said some things last weekend that confused me very, very much. Like you went to the Museum of Natural History, whatever. Yeah. Right? Was that this week? Did you do that? Or no? Yeah. Oh, and then you ended up at a, at a vegan at a vegan restaurant and then an eating steak later. Why don't you just go through that? Cause it was very confusing. Yeah. Well, you know, last week on the show, I made a point of saying, you know, Sunday's my day. It's my day of rest. Right. Right. All of that. But I guess I didn't mean rest. It really is my day to do a million things with my family because I'm off. So on Sunday, we had a, a trip planned with our neighbors to go to Manhattan to see this thing. It's called the color factory. It's like an, installation art interactive art thing in manhattan okay um and that's what we went to that was the trip and then we went to this other uh restaurant that was all vegan they make these like fake meats out of tofu is this chinatown um i don't or in the 30s i don't know where it is okay i just sit in the car i want to go there i it's, like it's I like really good yeah. and it's a friend of my wife's she's been going to his restaurants for like 20 years he's really excellent at making these like pseudo meats like i'm not a vegetarian or a mm-hmm. vegan and these it's really really good wow cool and um needless to say when and i'm <laughs> when we came out of that restaurant there was two really rough looking dudes smoking crack <laughs> in the street. And uh-huh. they saw, not even in the street, they were on the sidewalk just outside of this. It's like a nice restaurant. Yeah. Literally with the crack pipe. I didn't notice it. My wife did because I'm walking slowly with the kids. She was standing up with our, our neighbor and they were like, get the kids over here, right? And you heard the the guy smoking crack be like, oh, dude, put it away. There's kids, man. Oh, wow. And I'm like, considerate yeah. crackheads. And it just, it really hit home that you know <laughs> even outside of this fancy restaurant there's people smoking crack um how did you find new york because uh, aaron was in last weekend with ben one of the days and she or last week and she said that that there were people shooting up 
in the street well, and nodding out in the street all near Times Square. And maybe that is not my recollection of the city. If she saw that and mm-hmm. I saw guys smoking crack, I mean, <laughs> right. What are the odds, right? Usually that's a, yeah. Yeah. I grew up in this city. I, I've mm-hmm. been in the city a thousand times and I've never seen that. Huh. I've been proposition. You know, you always get the guys like, yo, yo man, you want that hydro? And I'm like, no, no, right. no, thank you, sir. Yes. Um, don't want that hydro. Don't need that hydro. Currently, bro. currently yeah. not looking for that hydro. Huh. Um, so, but it all happened so fast and like we had left at nine o'clock and it was 12 and I said, you know, well, what else can we do? We're in the city. We got the kids and I knew that our neighbors weren't up for it. They're, um, they're a little bit older than us and mm. I think they were a little tired. So we said, Hey, why don't I, I got the brilliant idea of, uh, let's go to the museum of natural history, yeah. which is one of my favorites. I used to go there as a kid um, if you've seen the Night at the Museum series, you'll know what we're talking about. Uh, yeah, and uh, the kids had a great time. My my headphones are completely... Do you not hear that? I do not hear anything. It's all in your headphones. Yeah, I'm sorry. And um, and so it was really cool. So we took our neighbor's daughter, who was friends with you know my son. With their permission. With their permission. <laughs> they went home and we were able to get... You know, everything was timed, so you had to have like a time reservation. It was one thirty, and I looked online, and it said there was a two thirty available. I'm like, let's do it. But first, we had some time to kill, and my son, there's a uh, an ice cream shop in New York City called Big Gay Ice Cream. Nice. And for some reason, my son is like, we have to go to Big Gay Ice Cream. <laughs> I don't know why. He just thought it was the funniest thing, and uh, and so we, and it was all walking distance, so we were able to find parking, which is not normal. And you don't know what part of the city this was. No, I don't know. <laughs> it's all near natural history. Okay, it was like so right the around 80s, the corner. Well, upper West. Yeah. Mm. Um, and uh, it, we had a great big gay ice cream. Got a funny picture of it. I mean, it was just, it's really good ice cream. Yeah. And then we got into the Natural History Museum and um, it was amazing. I, you know, I used to go there as a kid. Um, I, I have memories from when I was my son Max's age going there. So to bring, even though we only went for like three or four hours, you know, you need like a, a week to go through that. Yes. You have to be selective with what you're looking at. But you know, it, the only problem is the kids by the end of that were so exhausted. I'll bet. I was exhausted and our neighbors, you know, invited us over. My neighbor's a really amazing cook with his grill. Like, he's mm. amazing. So, you cannot turn down. When he invites you over, you have to eat. Wow, you and, guys um, crazy. Yeah. And so, he, he was marinating these steaks that he got. And he's like, come over afterwards. And I would love to, but I was exhausted. And, in fact, my oldest son, Noah, um, he basically had a breakdown. Yeah. You know, he, he just couldn't he was he got in bed with his phone and i could just see he had had it and um so we just left him home we you know we walked across the street we're like yeah. you know what chill out right uh and uh and then we had a nice dinner but it was a really long really exhausting uh day and so um and then i was back to work on monday you guys are very social there's no way i could have made it to the to the second uh event no way. No. Aaron and I would have hidden, hidden the house and pretended we were sick. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's one of those things. I spent so many years being, you know, being like that. I'm, I'm like, you know, I'm always fighting against trying, you know, but that's what I really want. That's my natural what, state. to hibernate? To hibernate, yeah. you know. I know, it's true. You got to put yourself out there sometimes. They say that's healthy for your recovery. They also. do. And, it, and Sometimes I do it, you know. It is. It's funny though. Last night, you know, talking about the people smoking drugs in the street. Uh, last night, I, you know, occasionally I go down to um, 
to the beach over here with my camera and take pictures of uh, shorebirds in the evening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, a, it's one of my shorebirds. S- yeah, that a euphemism. It's, no, it's uh, <laughs> <laughs> they're actually birds. Actual that, yeah. birds. Okay. Um, it just it relaxes me, and I needed to be relaxed last night. Um, but so I go down there, and there's a bunch of middle-aged guys and their wives, probably my age more than they were yours, and they're sitting in their like American flag beach chairs and stuff. And <laughs> and I'm like, ah, uh, you know, it's always, you know, here we, always. Never mind. I'm not going to say the town that we're in because everybody probably knows anyway. Yeah. But I'm like, ah, uh, there's the town folks hanging out you know, doing their boring town things. And I'm standing in front of them taking pictures and I'm like, what's that smell? And I turn around and there's all these guys and their wives and khakis and polos and everything. And they're passing the fattest joint around I've ever seen. And they're like giggling and um, laughing and making stoned jokes. And I was like, how dare they? I'm like, man, you know, (laughs) I'm like, how crazy is that? That, you know, weed is now legal. So now there's everybody is just who smoked in their house is now doing like a joint circle on the beach. Yeah, Just like for the Cub Scout graduation, we saw those kids just out in the open. Yeah. Smoking. Those are kids. You kind of expect it. I mean, these look like, they look like bankers or used car salesmen (laughs) or whatever else the Long Island produces. Uh, Yeah. You know, and it just, I never would have, it never would have occurred to me. And then, so then I, I'm, I'm, I get a chuckle out of that and I walk up to the parking lot and there's people sitting in their cars smoking weed. And I'm like, the fuck? This is the place to go. I guess weed is everywhere now. Yeah. It's interesting. I don't know where they're getting it because Massachusetts, I guess, (laughs) you know, um, you just go to the dispensary and I don't like, how is this supposed to shake out? Like in a year when everything gets caught up, are we going to be able to go into uh, 7-Eleven and, and get... No, our town has uh, limited the zoning to industrial areas. So we'll probably have to go like back where some of the, you know, in Syosset where those gyms are, the MMA gyms, they tuck them back in with the, you know, so (laughs) over there. Right next to the MMA gym, you can get your quote unquote (laughs) medicine. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I just thought that was interesting. Um, Yeah. Uh, Well, it's, uh, you know, we're going to start to see that more and more. And I think, you know, as we're going to get to in one of the articles um, that we're covering today, people now returning to work um, are coming back from a scenario where they have new addictions or worsened addictions. And so people, just like you said, you've changed your whole way of life. Mm. Some people, when they did that, added drinking all day or (laughs) added what if they were smoking weed once in a while before, now it's all day. Right. And so all of these things are going to come out, um, especially in the workplace. Uh, and, um, companies are going to have to deal with this. I think employers are not really, they're not ready. They're not ready. They don't know what they're getting into. But anyway, I just want, I saw something on the outline that you'd, didn't even tell me about that I really would like to discuss. Yeah. Uh, you had a customer come in oh. the shop who apparently uh, has a drinking problem and was looking for some, I don't know, advice, it, some it solace, was, some It was really weird. It happened really fast. Um, first, these two kids, sometimes kids come in by themselves to the shop, but these were very young kids, so I knew there had to be an adult lurking somewhere. And uh, the kids were running around the shop for a little bit looking at stuff, and I'm wondering, like, where's their their dad? Guy comes in, he's on the phone, he did one of those, he's on the phone, on the phone. Finally, he gets off, and uh, I don't know how it came out, but it was something like the kids were giving him a hard time, and I'm like, yeah, kids, right? You know, and he goes, yeah, sometimes... Goes, sometimes you just want to get bombed, you know? And and I was like How did he look? Was he like disheveled? Was he tired? Really. Did he look hungover? 
He didn't. No. He just looked tired and he just looked like um like I used to feel. Like when <laughs> right. you're in right. that uh active addiction functional alcoholic mm-hmm. scenario, you can look great. Like I used to look all right. Yeah, you yeah. know what I mean? You're right. Got you got your kids, but you're miserable. Every little thing. And so he said to me, Oh, you just want to get bombed. And I said, Yeah, me too. I said, But you know, not in like almost four years for me. And he looked up and goes, Oh yeah. And he goes, Well, it's not hasn't, you know, not in a half an hour for me. And I'm like, Yeah. Was he serious? Yeah. Like, what time of day was it? Uh we were, I don't know, maybe two o'clock Oof. or something. Okay. And um and I'm like, Yeah, I told him I just I don't know, it just came out of me and I was just like Hey man, that was me. I used to wake up first thing in the morning, have a drink, have one at lunch, wake up at three in the morning. He's like, really? And I said, yeah. And I said, not, not in almost four years now. And he looked at me, goes, we got to talk, you know? Mm. And then he gave me the knuckle pound that people tend to do these days. (laughs) And, um, what is it? Respect knuckles, something like that. And, uh, and then he walked out hmm. with the kids. And hmm. I'm like, that was really interesting. I was amazed that I was so like open with a random stranger, but I could almost sense he was looking he for some kind of some, identification, yeah. some kind of like, did, is anybody else out there you know, know what I'm going through? And for me to say, I was there, man. Like I completely, I know exactly how you feel. I know exactly what you're saying. I was there and now I'm here. Well, and you, uh, you are now going to reside in his head a little bit when he thinks about not drinking anymore, which he inevitably will at some point, um, he knows where to find you. And that's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. I said, you know, come back anytime. And, um, it was really interesting, but that was a real moment of like straight up. That's a 12 step, like reach out, Mm. you know, you throw him a t-shirt where (laughs) (laughs) if we had, uh, cards for the show, Mm. like dopey Dave was always does his hands out the business cards, you know, when he's trying to get a guest or get people to listen to it, it's a great idea. We should make cards, you know? So when I start going back to meetings, um, maybe I can (laughs) hand them out or something like that. Um, so that was interesting. Well, hopefully this guy comes around and you know, decides for the sake of himself or his see if kids. he wants to come on the show yeah next time he comes in <laughs> stick a mic in his face yeah, and say so do you want to talk about your drinking problem i should just <laughs> go up to him and uh yeah so that was re- that was really cool um all right anything else you want to cover before we uh dip into our uh our recovery in the news extravaganza special i don't know not really just my life is shit um yeah great, great, great. <laughs> no i just work work is busy We'll be busy, busy through the weekend. So. Yeah, and like I said, there will be some changes to the show. As uh, In fact, the, you're not going to notice it, except we'll probably be more relaxed because it'll be in the evening. Uh, I worry about that. I worry that it's going to be too relaxed. No, I don't, th- I don't think I'm capable of being relaxed with this show. Yeah, but I'm barely awake after 7 p.m. <laughs> like, Aaron and I have been stressing about uh, Sunday because we're like, you know, the Kingsleys, are, they like to do things after 5 o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes. Yeah, we're, we're usually winding down yeah. around, uh, you know, 8. So well, uh, eight, 8 is pretty good. Yeah, if we make it to 8, we'll be happy, yeah. you know, uh, especially if we're up early doing stuff. It'll be fun. Right. We're going to have a good time. Yeah. Uh, so with that... We will begin the first ever Recovery in the News special. All the way from New York, it's Recovery in the News <laughs> with your host, Mike R. Thank you, Nat. Uh, this week in... Uh, I can't do that. This week in Recovery in the News, uh, we have a couple articles we wanted to take a look at. The first one um, from the Chicago Tribune. 
the title is The Workforce That's Returning Is Not the Same. Mm. As employees return to the offices, they're bringing new addictions. Uh, <laughs> it's cheerful. As companies call workers back to offices, some may face a new challenge. Employees who become addicted to drugs, who became addicted to drugs or alcohol during the pandemic. Uh, the isolation and stress of the past year obviously spurred alcohol and drug abuse. Some people have been able to hide the habits while working from home. You know, get on the Zoom call, then go off the Zoom call, take a shot, get back on the Zoom yeah. call, right? Is that how that works? It's that, or you just put vodka in your coffee mug, yeah, like I used that's to do. It. Um, but now everybody's going back, right? Um, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I've, I always worked from home, right? Like one day a week. That was my thing for the 13 years I've been in this job. Uh, I was never a morning drinker. I was never an afternoon drinker. Really? Yep. So it, it was not something that I ever wrestled with, but uh, you did, didn't you? Absolutely. Um, I don't remember when, you know, I, I've been working from home as soon as I was done with my first round of college when I got into a career and I started this company and it was working from home when it wasn't a popular thing. Like mm -hmm. nobody in the early 2000s it was very rare. And uh, I don't remember when I crossed the line and started drinking in the morning, but um, it took me like when I first started working from home, I felt liberated. I felt free. Uh, and <laughs> free to just drink free to do like kind of whatever I want. Like yeah. this idea that I'm not answering. Cause you get used to being in these scenarios where there's a manager mm -hmm. and owner and you're always being watched. So like all of a sudden to be like, I can do whatever I basically, whatever I want. And, um, and that began to, for me, it just started to get less and less structured because I wasn't on top of my, my, uh, myself and my schedule. I figured I can wake up at 10 o'clock, you know, get into my office whenever I want. I'm, you know, I own it. And, um, and just as time went on, uh, and I began to use drugs, like, uh, I started to really get into Coke, like the drinking really didn't pick up for me mm. until the, uh, drugs got so bad. Well, I was cocaine drinking. has that effect. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then because you probably when the drinking really started is, I would have a really late night, you know, doing coke, and uh, I, you'd, I'd have to wake up and go to work, my own day, but, and I'm like, in order to get through it, you know, that, uh, that scotch that sits in your cabinet for 30 years, right. for me, I'm like, huh, let me have some of that, that'll go a lot further than 12 beers, right. and, uh, and I started just sipping a little scotch, or, mm. and uh, I got used to using that tool as a real, like, smooth over this rough edge. Well, you and a lot of other people apparently during the pandemic. Uh, let me let me ask you a question. Yeah. Uh, could you? How did you sleep on coke? Like I you can't without opiates. Like it's, I don't see any way of. Uh, I, I could never. You I mean, need if Xanax. I, if I was on it, if I was doing coke, I would be up round, just straight round the clock. There would be no sleeping. Yeah. And that's no. kind of how it goes, unless you have Xanax. For me, mm. the only way, but I, I never had access to Xanax. Me either. So, God, that was the hell that is cocaine. Right. It's just this, um, you know, maybe you get high and it's fun for like a couple, few hours. <laughs> as many hours as you have money and cocaine. Right. That's how long and, it's fun and for. And then there's like a period of like four to six hours afterwards where it's come down, <sighs> you're tired, but you can't sleep. That's when the drinking starts to yeah. try and, or the opiates. Right. And you start to um, really, uh, really just use it to smooth it. And yeah. I never was able to sleep. And sometimes what would happen was I would just lie in bed mm -hmm. 
until it was time to get up yep. and then I'd go through the next day. That's it, half man. A, half that was my experience. And then by that next night, after having a few more drinks, maybe take some night, Tylenol PM or whatever, mm, then and you then sleep. you sleep for a couple of days. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's so an that's, unpleasant memory. No. So, uh, so assuming that there's a, a fair number of people who are involved in that cycle going back to their offices now, their actual physical offices, I'm wondering what the traffic... Uh, what the car accidents are going to look like. All these drunks going back to work. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I mean, but people are going right. back changed. Um, they are. But how should companies address the issue? Right. I, I mean, what are they supposed to do? They need to be staffed up, which isn't going to happen. Right. What they need to have is employee assistance programs. And what they need to have is, is um, an education program that tells their employees about them. And needs to let employees yeah. know that they're not going to get fired if they come forward. Right. Like know. the railroad union. Um, right. I met a lot of guys in rehab that were work for the Long Island Railroad or the MTA or co- like police officers, railroad employees, union guys mm-hmm. like the trades. I met a million guys that were, oh, I'm a steam pipe fitter union guy. Oh, I'm a bricklayer. Right. I mean, I learned about trades that I didn't know existed because they are a lot of them around here uh, have a very like. We could learn a lot. They have in, robust healthcare system. Yeah. I mean, and, and that's one care. of the things that they collectively bargain for, right? I mean, yeah, there's actually a position that they that has been developed to specifically handle addiction issues in unions. I forget what they call them, but they'd yeah. always say, "Oh, my so and so sent me here, you know, or got me." And it's like a it's like a uh, an employee representative who deals with getting them into rehabs and that's monitors. That must that. be an interesting job. Yeah, I mind doing that. Yeah, I had a therapist that did that for a living. Uh, a while ago. And I mean, because I mean, you look at the statistics, I mean, I don't know. In Chicago and Cook County, where the, where the article was written, uh, you know, obviously the opioid deaths rose 26% during spring of 2020, which is, uh, we've talked about that on the show before. Um, they surveyed 5,400 American adults in June, and 13% of them said they had started or increased substance abuse to cope with stress or emotions related to COVID-19. Hazelton Betty Ford did a survey that uh, said, found that 31% of respondents who use alcohol said they've been drinking more since the pandemic started, and 29% of people that use drugs said they've been doing more. Uh, I'm curious about the other 70% that seem to be maintaining <laughs> just fine on the amount of drugs they were taking before, but right. maybe it's a supply issue. Um, I mean, there's going to be a lot of people who have developed some serious problems when they were isolating right i mean um yeah i mean these 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 rehabs have been getting twice as many calls during the pandemic than they got before um they interviewed one guy who said we're living in the most psychologically traumatic time of any of our lifetimes and people reach for whatever supports they find for some people one or two glasses of wine a day turns to three or four once they no longer had to show up at the office every day so i guess is that an argument for bringing people back to the office that people who are predisposed to uh, addictive behavior function better in a more structured environment. I don't know if well, that necessarily follows, but no, um, no, I feel like it's a scenario where a lot of people in corporate land in day-to-day workday job land are nursing slight habits. You know, you see it start to pop out in the, uh, for sure. Five o'clock, um, happy hours. Right. Um, you know, I worked for a financial, co- uh, company in Manhattan and every Friday there was, they'd have a full bar in the mm-hmm. office that you're encouraged to. Oh yes. I know. A law firm um, I worked that had something. It similar. was celebrating Shabbos, you know, every week. 
And then half, a lot of men half the half the office would be out by three o'clock, so they could get home by sundown. Right. Um, but I guess you know, for 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 me, like it would be, I would leave the office, I'd get home, and then I'd have my drinking at home. But if your office is your home, right, and you're drinking, then I could see it's very easy how that could creep earlier and earlier into the afternoon. Yeah, especially know? like even like people who start drinking at lunch, you know. Um, <laughs> Did that a couple times. A lot of people do that, but, you know, if you're prone to do that or if that's something you started getting used to and shooting for and that was something like, oh, I had a rough morning, I got to get my lunch beer or whatever, you know, and if there's nothing to stop you um, from doing that at 1130 Mm -hmm. and like putting it on your desk while you're in meetings (laughs) and, um, you know, it it stands to reason. You have an addictive uh, drug that... uh, alcohol that you continue to intake and more and more. And by the time you have to go and be a normal, you know, workaday Joe, um, you can't get by a couple hours without a drink. When I work for the city as a, a city of New York, as an, as a young attorney, I work with these two older guys who were probably at the end of their career. And they were telling me, and, the, and they showed me, because I went out to lunch with them a few times, that after a morning in court arguing motions, they would go to the bar, and they would have lunch there, and they would drink probably three or four drinks, and then go to afternoon court and argue with three or four drinks in them. And I was looking at this, and even as a, a younger attorney who was, you know, had my own substance abuse issues, I was like, these guys are fucking crazy. Yeah. But what they told me is that was, used to be the norm. Yep. You know, and, and, and they were just sort of dinosaurs that didn't, you know. Right. So, so I guess, I don't know, maybe the alcoholism was just out more out in the open back then. Or just accepted. Or just accepted. People that expected a man of a certain age, you know, you're, you're over 21 or something or 18. Yeah. You, it's being a man. Right. You know. But um, I, I don't know how you function. Like a man that. should hold his liquor. You yeah. Know? Uh, like Ulysses S. Grant is a famous alcoholic president. Right. Right. Um, you know, there's lots of stories about famous men in history um, that were just always wasted. <laughs> you know what I mean? Winston Churchill being when, the other one that comes yeah. to mind. Um, uh, and you wonder how they pulled it off. But this is a human condition. This is the way we are. And when you take alcohol, no matter who you are, you're going to want it again. I mean, even people who, quote unquote, just drink for fun and don't have a, quote, problem, still, when they think about relaxing, they can't uh, separate relaxing and having fun from drinks. And you see it all over Facebook. You see it everywhere. People just, they don't even take pictures of themselves anymore. Look at my drink. Mm -hmm. You see this? Oh, yeah. Um, It's it's booze porn. Right. It's the Um, weirdest thing. Like- just well, a picture of my fucking wine glass. Look at this. I'm I just fucking I, drunk. <laughs> I want to read you a text that I sent you last night, which is kind of germane to that whole thing. Did I answer it? Uh, you did. Oh. You were you were also complaining about your down day, and right. instead of like being sympathetic, I just threw my down day right yeah. in your face. You're like you think you got it, yeah. man. <laughs> so I apologize for that. It's but, all right. Tandem sponsors, you know. Um, I wrote. To you at 5.30 last night, I just experienced an intense craving for the relaxation that drinking used to pretend to deliver, though not for the drinking itself. Right. Well written. I considered that to be, (laughs) thank you. I considered that to be a successful text and a successful way of thinking about it because I was able to separate the desire from relaxation from the desire to have the drink, which I thought would have brought it to me. 
which yeah. I now know really would not have. And, and just to to put a um, uh, shine a light on your the recovery that you're experiencing, that is a great example of how you have you know crossed a line now, mm. where you're able to take that thought. Uh, that you, that you identified as like I you you got I want that feeling I want and which is associated with the drink and you were able to intellectually say that's just looking for a drink and I know that's not going to actually give me what I think I'm going to get and your ability to do that um, and internalize it and then not moving forward with it I mean right. that that's progress that that's where we should all want to be. Yeah, your response was, yeah, I felt that. Give yourself 10 minutes to meditate. <laughs> <laughs> that was great advice. It was good advice. And I did meditate later later that evening. But what I what I did also did was I changed my scenery. I got out of the house. Aaron and I were just spontaneously decided to go out and get something to eat. Mm-hmm. And I had a mocktail at the restaurant I was at. I had the Damsel Detox because mm-hmm. they name all the mocktails after fruity drinks because I guess they assume that only fruit fruits only fruits will <laughs> will order them but whatever uh and just the act of changing my scene mm-hmm. so to speak and having a, a refreshing health tonic of a of a mocktail mm-hmm. uh the, i got that relaxation it wasn't like that uh, feeling that you get from when the first glass of wine hits your liver but mm. um but it was pretty close and i was able to sort of reorient myself towards a more relaxed frame of mind, but it took some work. And you have guys like this Robert Druckles, 47 of Carlinsville, who knows firsthand how working from home can work in an addiction. I mean, he's a lawyer. This is the guy from the article, by the way, in case you don't know who I'm talking about. I do. Because you wrote read. So I guess that means yes. we're going to read this one. I want you to read it. About three years ago, before COVID-19, the attorney's drinking problem became more severe as he worked from home. He stashed liquor bottles throughout his house to drink in secret away from the eyes of his children and wife, who were mostly at work at school during the day. Though Druckles didn't work and drink at the same time, I would arrange my work days around how and when I would get my work done so I could drink, he said. When you're not being watched, it is much easier to feed your addiction in a way that will cause your body to get used to more consumption consistently throughout the day. He managed for a time to do his job despite his addiction, but when he reached a low point and he finally told his law firm he was an alcoholic and needed to leave to go to rehab, his bosses didn't seem very surprised. They never do. Everybody knows, right? (laughs) It's like when people come out of the closet as gay, everyone's like, we know. Yeah, we know, right? Like, like, yeah, Arnie, you always stunk of whiskey. Um, He believes he eventually would have lost his job as his drinking worsened and his productivity continued to slide. I mean, this is a, this guy is very lucky. He's lucky that he recognized the problem before it became a point where, you know, his boss was like, you're fired, you know, because you, you know, we woke you up naked in the conference room with a heart on. (laughs) (laughs) His law firm was supportive, allowed him to go to rehab at Gateway and then return to work when he was ready. And he hopes that other employers are equally as understanding as workers return to the office with new or worse substance abuse problems. Um, but not everybody who has a problem is at the level of this guy and can come forward and ask for help. Yeah. I mean, you know? coming, coming out with it and admitting it, um, much less to yourself, but I remember when I finally had to, and like everybody knew it, it was actually my father's birthday. I don't remember what year it was. Mm. Well, I was married and we were at where we live now. So it's within the last 10 years. Uh, but this was my first, like. It, it was just, 
I had a dr- like an awful Christmas where I was just wasted, and um, I was on a bad trajectory. I was uh, on heroin and just a real mess. But it was before it was out in my family that I had I was an addict and I was struggling. Right. And when I finally, like my parents had come over. And um, we were cleaning up. It was my dad's birthday. And everyone was kind of like, you could see there's something in there that they were all thinking about. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, I went into the kitchen. Uh, I just started to do the dishes. And my wife came in and she said something like, don't you just, aren't you just tired? Don't you want to just get, you know, don't you want to just get it out? Right. You know? And uh, it was a real moment of, you know, because a lot of the fighting that we did was very contentious and screamy and violent. And uh, in this moment, she was really giving me the soft eyes, you mm. know, which I hadn't seen from her in a long time. Uh, and, you know, and then I was came out and I sat down with my parents and I said, you know, I have a drug problem. And that was the first time I, wow. I was my biggest fear was for them to know that I had fallen so far that I was so, you know, they have very high standards just as people. Sure. Uh, and, and so, but it was one of those things where they all knew, you know, cause my behavior was insane. Right. The things I was doing made no sense. Right. Um, and so that was the first, and it was still a long time before I got anywhere near recovery, mm-hmm. but you know, that started the process of, I got into a hospital detox for the first time and, you know, but I mean, that was hard and I was, I had fallen far for me to finally give up, you know, to swallow my pride and say, I've got a problem. Yes. You know, um, that, that I mean, it's very difficult. I, I, I did something similar with my own parents, uh, after, a, a, a some, a bad couple bad crack runs in the Bronx. I yeah. actually called them to the Bronx and we sat in a pizzeria and I, uh, <laughs> I said, I, you know, I, I have a crack problem, you know? Wow. Yeah, it was, it was, it was rough. And like, like you, it was years and years before, yeah. you know, but, but that was the first at the point it was very cathartic and stuff, but you know, so yeah. hard, hard to do with your family, really hard to do with your job because you know, if you're supporting your family with a job and you have a boss and you need to tell the boss yeah. That you have a drug problem. You've got I that mean, fear. I mean, you're They might paycheck. just fire you because, it, yeah. you know, it's a right to work uh, environment in the mm-hmm. United States. I mean, you can just be fired for no reason at all. Sure. You know? Um, so that that's a major fear. I mean, a, a big thing you hear from people when you're telling them, hey, you've got to go to rehab. And I've heard this a million times, just being in groups and things like that. And people always say, I got my job. I have to, I can't take a month off right. of work. I, I can't, you know, I've got all of this stuff planned. I mean, uh, but the truth of the matter is what it is so hard to see from that perspective is if you don't do something, mm-hmm. we're not saying going to rehab is a guaranteed fix, but you have to separate yourself from this craziness. And what I found the couple times I will finally went away to rehab because I had those same reservations. What am I going to do? And yeah, yeah. my job, the job usually was, you know, they, they know you've got a problem and if they, they hired you to begin with, they like your work and they want you to come back and be who you were. Right. Um, any cut, like, for example, when I went to uh, inpatient rehab for the second time, we had to cancel my youngest son's, uh, baptism. Mm. Okay. And so, you know, that was my big, like stopping me from going. Right. And when I finally, they were like, we can reschedule it. 
mm-hmm. you know, it'll be okay, but you have to do this. Right. Um, it's so hard to get people out of that, you know, off the hamster wheel and be like, you've got to do this for yourself because you're not going to be there for any job. Right. You're not going to have any job. You're going to be dead or completely, you know, thrown out. And like, it's so hard to bring people over that line and be like, Nothing else matters right now except for you getting help. Right. Yeah. I mean, you can build, you can build up all of these things to do that all, which are basically excuses why you can't do the one thing that you need to do. Right. right? And you can make those things bigger. Sure. In your head. How important. Yeah. I remember arguing, oh, they need me and I'm, I'm, there's nobody like me and every month they're depending on me to, you know, no one else can do what I do. But in yeah. the end, any anybody that's ever been fired from a job or had to train their replacement knows that there's no such thing as an indispensable cog in the, in the wheel of a company. You no. can always be replaced. Yep. Doesn't matter who you are. No matter who you are. Yeah. So uh, get. So if you need help, get it. Um, because otherwise, you might die. Yeah. You know? Don't fuck around. Yeah. Um, and so uh, I think with that, we should move on. Article number what, two. Unless one, you want one say- other one final thought on this. Yeah. Um, you know, it's 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 except it's going to be exceptionally difficult for people to get help when they go back because employers right now are extremely distracted by the fact that they're sure. bringing their entire workforce back. Yeah. So you may need to go to your HR department and say, you know, what you don't even have to. You can just say, well, what what resources are there for somebody who is dealing with some mental health problems? Yeah, I, have and stress. Yeah, right. I have a friend who's really <laughs> fucked up on drugs and what would he do if he worked here? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, go, you got to reach out, you know, because otherwise it's going to get worse and you're going to, you're going to ram your car into yeah. the back of my car on the cross Bronx expressway and kill me. So and, don't do that either. And my advice to you is don't fuck around it's life or death. Go get help, like right away. It it can't wait. You know, this is the time. Things are about to open back up for real, and now is the time to do it. Now is the time to get right. Yep. Um, your family will forgive you if if you do the right thing moving forward. Your job will you know be understanding. If they're not, you can find another one. Right. What you can't do is find another life or find another set of children that you know. Or you could. You could have more children, but you know what I mean. Like. Nothing is more important than your health. Yeah, um, I mean, if you had terminal cancer, you wouldn't put off treatment for, yeah, you know, a couple of you know months or indefinitely because yeah. you were worried about. You'd say I got to you know, go. I got to get treatment. Right. Nobody, nobody questions that. So hopefully, we get to a point where uh, we treat addiction the same way. Um, okay. So uh, yeah. Wait. No. Sorry. <laughs> We have another article. Yes, that we was do. A fake out. Okay. All right. Uh, article number two. This is the big one that you really wanted to. Um, yeah, I this love is the this one. one. I thought we'd get to like three articles, but uh, I feel like if we want to give this the proper, we talk a lot. The proper talking. So. Uh, the second article is the moderation myth: Why controlled drinking is hell. By Mike Ryan on Medium.com. If you struggled with your drinking, you've probably wrestled with the question: Can I learn to drink in moderation? Society would have us believe that it's not only possible, but it's what most respectable people do already. We're told to, quote, enjoy responsibly. But it's an open question as to what it means in practice. Moderation seems like a reasonable goal. If you want to have your cake and eat it too, or have your beer and drink it too, just decide to drink one or two and stop before bad things happen. No problemo. But if moderation is a simple choice, why do so many, even those who preach moderation, fail at it so often 
Yes. When, and people do fail at it constantly. Um, so if you're thinking, if you're one of those em- employees who's going back to work and thinking that you're going to uh, just ratchet down the drinking a little bit, I think you might be in for an unpleasant surprise. Um, I mean, let, let's be honest. Despite everybody saying that you, what you're supposed to do is drink moderately, people do not drink moderately. Most people do not drink moderately. People who drink. Yeah. Right? I, I mean, mean, I know I didn't. What's mo- Well, what's moderate? The CDC says... How many drinks? Two drinks. Two drinks for a man, one drink for a woman. And, and That's moderate alcohol consumption. So how many people do you know who call themselves moderate drinkers that blow past that intake on any given drinking occasion? Like all of them? Yeah. Like, mean, if, like for example, and I really identified with this guy. I know I used to, con- who said in, the, in his article, I, used to, I know I used to consider five to six beers a moderate drinking session. Mm-hmm. I did too. I, too. I always thought light drinking was four pints. Yeah, so like, long as it's <laughs> beer and not vodka. Right. Four, four drinks is light drinking, was light drinking for me. Um, Barely enough to give you a buzz, and yet it's three times the government-defined level of moderation. So let's stop propagating the lie that most people drink in moderation because they absolutely do not. And here, this guy channels a little Annie Grace, right? Yes, I was thinking that same thing. Read that one. Um, Alcohol is hard to moderate because it's not meant to be moderated. It's an addictive drug, an addict. Addictive drugs are, by definition, incompatible with moderation. The mechanisms of addiction are ever-increasing tolerance and craving for more. Alcohol has that roll down pat. You shouldn't feel guilty or broken for becoming addicted to alcohol. Addiction is the logical result of repeated use. Right. Not just there's normies and there's alcoholics. Right. Um, I mean, maybe there's pickles and there's cucumbers, Mm -hmm. but every pickle can become a cucumber. No, every cucumber. Cucumber can become a pickle. Right. Right. If you marinate in, in the, yeah. the stuff long enough. Yeah, don't fool yourself um, into thinking, oh, I'm a normie. I can drink and have no repercussions. This is not true. No. Maybe some people are more susceptible to impulsive behavior. Okay, that's that's a personality thing. Mm-hmm. But uh, there's no addiction gene that makes, oh, uh, this is debated a lot, and we'll get some, uh, some argument about this, but I, I really think that anybody can drink enough to become severely addicted and find themselves, you know, under a bridge, you know, with a raincoat. <laughs> or even if it doesn't end up there, you know, I mean, it doesn't have yeah. to always end up under the bridge. Even if you're like that guy who walks into a sports store with his kids and, and can't get out of his head about his drinking long enough to not say, I just need to get wasted, you know, right. to someone he barely, he doesn't know at all. Right. In his store. I mean, imagine. Imagine what was going on in that guy's head for him to say that to you. You could right? see the pain, and, yeah. and I know that pain. I, I can, I know it. So um, I really like the author of this article for saying what he says in the next sentence. This is Mike Ryan, and it's actually it's not really an article. It's more like an opinion piece on Medium, but yeah. I think it, I thought it was extremely well written. Um, what he says is, but you've been taught that people who get addicted are somehow doing it wrong or are weak-willed. Fuck that noise. We've been gaslighted for so long we can no longer see the obvious truth. In most most cultures, someone who drinks regularly, even daily, can say they aren't addicted. They can claim they just enjoy it, and it relaxes them, and they are a connoisseur, not an addict. But you would laugh in the face of a daily smoker who claims they aren't addicted to cigarettes. Right. If you smoke, it's a foregone conclusion you're addicted to nicotine, yeah. but alcohol is somehow different. Yeah, we don't call them like cigarette addicts. You know, we don't, yeah. treat, you know, it's like... You're, you cigarette You're addicted. You know, you drink. Yeah. Probably, you've got to have it. 
Right. I mean, how many of you out there who, who drink, quote unquote, moderately can't imagine going to a football game without having a drink? Right. Like, why What's moderate that? about that? You know, <laughs> what, why can't you watch a baseball game without having a drink? In fact, I remember when I first tried to get sober, I had like a month uh, and I was asking my sponsor, you know, football season was coming up. I'm a big Jets fan. And that always requires a lot of drinking because they suck. Um, <laughs> and I was like, how am I supposed to watch football if I'm not drinking beer? It goes together like peas and carrots. That's and, right. And what I began to learn was I don't really love football that much. <laughs> it was really just an excuse to uh, to drink more. Well, that's it. People think that they're drinking moderately, but all they're doing is scheduling their drinking for certain times. It's not, it's, yeah, and it's, it's not moderation. It's just not good. It doesn't really make you better. It increases anxiety. It, you know, increases your chances of cancer. It's just like, there's just almost nothing good about it. I mean, and moderation is impossible. I mean, if you're like me or like anybody else that's ever tried to moderate their drinking, they were, you were an abject failure at it. I mean, you know, you, you say, oh, I'm only going to drink two this time. I'm only going to have beer. I'm only going to drink uh, Tuesdays through, or I'm not going to drink Tuesday through Thursday. And then all of a sudden you're out on Tuesday nights. I started going out on Tuesday nights. Uh, I, I was like, okay, only Fridays and Saturdays uh, when I was working at the law firm in the, in the city. And then it, it somehow Tuesday night was a big night for lawyers to go out. And then it was Wednesday and Thursday. And all of a sudden it was all the nights to go out. You know? yeah. And I would be like going out. I didn't really go out. I only had five beers tonight. You know, it's um, bullshit. You know, I, what I wanted to, to mention is that I was having this discussion with Sergeant Slaughter um, about uh, programs that help you moderate your drinking because I thought it was interesting. Uh, like uh, moderation management? Or? Moderation management. And just, I did a quick search on Google to see what the first result was for moderating <laughs> drinking. I know what you're going to say. And there's a cutback coach is the name of the, the top advertiser. Oh. Uh, our goal is to help you build healthier drinking habits using proven techniques so you improve your health and happiness. What can we help with you today? Wake up without hangovers? Reduce anxiety? Oh, lose weight? Find new ways to reduce and relax? Um, and uh, Why would anyone have, want to drink moderately? That's learn to I, have fun without alcohol. Oh, But there's okay. all of these programs out there that, are tr that try to train you to cut back. And they make the point in this article that that's just torture. And we've said that before. Trying well, to moderate. What's that one thing from AA? I think I heard once like... Uh, a b belly full of booze and a head full of AA. Well, that, but I'm thinking like, oh, you always hear people say like, yeah, man, I, I totally wish I could drink like a normal person. If I could drink like a normal person, I'd do it every day. Yeah, <laughs> I drink like a normal person <laughs> fucking every minute. Um, um, the sad reality about being addicted to alcohol is that once you take the first drink, you'll only be happy if you let yourself drink with abandon. Yes. Um, you know, uh, and, and that's the point that as soon as you start, and that's why they say AA ruins your drinking. Like <laughs> nothing ruins my, your drug use and drinking, like getting into recovery. Um, because once you know mm -hmm. that you, sh you know, you need to cut, you're having some kind of problem because, you know, most people when they are a lot of people who get into AA for one reason or another, or a program immediately, the first thing you usually, for me, what I thought was, I don't belong here. Yeah, right, you right. know what I mean? Like, ah, oh, I'm not like these people, you know? Well, uh, but, but, you know, then again, that's why defining alcoholism as something that is progressive and inevitably fatal and you, you end up in a jail or institution or whatever is, is maybe 
overselling it a little bit because there's plenty of people that can skip along for years just with being problem drinkers and not end up under a bridge, you know? Yeah. And, and it's, it's just a, a nightmare. Uh, like it can, and they also have something in this article that says moderation also causes decision fatigue. Yeah, Starting each day wondering if and how much you will drink is an exhausting exercise. If you choose not to drink, you sit around thinking about drinking. If you let yourself drink, your willpower goes out the window the moment the buzz hits, it does. making it too easy to justify having more. You're fighting a losing battle. You might think, but if I successfully moderate long enough, I'll eventually adjust to it. Sadly, I don't believe this is true. Yes, the brain is adaptable and can create new habits, but problem drinking alters the brain. This is important in such a way that it never seems to forget the pathway to excess. Mm -hmm. And so much of getting into recovery is changing those neural pathways so that, you know, when I get home and I'm ready to relax, what I reach for is... I want to have my um, Mexican Coca-Cola, um, stuff like that. That brings me that kind of uh, relief uh, that I would typically get. I've as- Now I associate relaxing with other things. Yeah. I, I, I just don't get moderation. Like I would rather have none than one. There, there is no point to having one drink. One drink will just make me irritable. So why do you <laughs> drink N.A. beer? I don't drink any beer for the alcohol in it. Well, then why do you drink it? I kind of like the taste of it. (laughs) I'm still struggling with this idea of any of your part of me wants to try it. And then part of me thinks that it's going against what I'm trying to retrain myself to do. So, you know, like it goes against like, um, you know, if I'm trying to make it so that I never crave any kind of beer or I'm, I never go to that for any reason, I'm less likely to, for me, less likely to pick up an alcoholic beer. I, if I start looking at NA beers and drinking NA beers, I'm getting back in the practice of drinking, a, you know, exactly those types I, of I, things. I have, I used NA beer quite frequently in early recovery and I use it much less now um, for that very reason. Like I, I don't associate the act of drinking a beer with anything approaching like uh, all those, all those associations that my brain had made before right. we're really associating the alcohol with those things, not right. not the beer. So I don't mind the taste of IPAs and stuff like that. But but like I mentioned last week, you know, when I when I joined up with that Facebook group for for NA beer lovers, you know, which is a weird group of people, but right. uh, it was just it was overwhelming. It was way too much. It was too much beer, beer, beer. It's and I'm like, I beer. don't, I, yeah. yeah. And it did not seem healthy to me. Like none of those people drank, but they were very obsessed with non-alcoholic beer, right? Yeah. I don't believe that non-alcoholic beer is for non-alcoholics. I, I, I get that. I mean, if you want to drink it, it's, it has as much alcohol as a ripe banana. But, right. you know, if your mind is not delinked or decoupled yeah. the idea of, it's of drinking a beer from on. something else, it, maybe it's dangerous early on. I found it, comforting early on that I could drink one in right. a social setting and it wouldn't set me apart because that made me right. more uncomfortable than the idea of yeah there's you know, so much of that that's so hard it to never get to- led me back to the to the bottle but I would worry more about you <laughs> <laughs> of course it's easy well to worry you know what it's just I, it's just because we come from two totally different recovery backgrounds that's true you know and and like coming out of that AA 12-step model I I don't know. I I think if I came out of that, I would not touch the stuff either. Yeah, it definitely ruined. I mean, 
when I think about, man, I'd love to try that when they come out with the Guinness Zero Zero. Partially, some of that is because I'm romanticizing certain mm-hmm. moments of my life where, um, you know, Guinness was like the beer to like really savor and that yes. flavor. It's so right. different and it's so good. And uh, and I, I kind of, part of me wants to experience that again, but I really, really don't want to drink alcohol. You know, so I'm thinking like that could be a ticket to, you know, experiencing that again. But then I think like, well, why? Maybe, maybe I don't need that. You know, maybe that isn't good for me. Mm. Um, maybe my association with the, with beer and holding a beer and looking at it, maybe that whole experience I need to just completely never see again, you know? Or you'll try it and you'll realize that it's not what you built it up in your head to be. Like it's not, it's not going to do for you what you think it's going to do because, and, and this, I've been thinking about this too. Like my mind is just playing tricks with me. Like when I sit down there and ha- have an NA beer, is my mind trying to recreate the experience of drinking an alcoholic beverage? Like, or, or am I drinking it on its own terms? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. No, not really. Right. That didn't, did that make sense? Re- rephrase it as though I'm five years old. <laughs> uh, what is my motivation for sitting down and having an NA beer? Yeah. And what is my stated motivation and what is my subconscious motivation for doing it? Well, that's hard to suss out what your subconscious is. It is, but you know, why, if I go to like Hooper's Scruff, right? And I go and I order a seltzer water with lime and they also have an NA beer. Like, should I order the NA beer? And why would I, rather than having a more refreshing, hydrating other beverage. Yeah. It's trying to connect to some emotional yeah. time. So what is that? Is that good? Is it bad? Is it know. indifferent? I don't. What is that subconscious? Cause I used to be very pro NA beer and not, and I've, I've actually kind of turning around on that because I, I'm, I don't, un, I don't know what my subconscious motivation for sitting down and having an NA beer is. Yeah. You know, I don't know. It's don't one know. of those things. What do you guys think out there? Monsters? Um, let us know what you think. Do you guys, um, what do you think about moderation? Have you tried it? Um, do you think it's possible? Um, write us uh, on our private Facebook group on, um, at Recovery in the Middle Ages. Just search it, and uh, it's a really cool group. And uh, We're having a lot of great discussions, and I think this would be a great uh, topic. You know, uh, I was never able to moderate. Like, I have memories of... Like sometimes when I started to notice maybe I was partying too hard, I would go out one night and say, I'm just going to have one. And I would, but just to prove it to myself that I could do it. The next night I'd go out and drink 20. But I would periodically do that just to to prove to myself. Right. But I would not call that, you know. You're not proving anything, of course. No. And, (laughs) And before you really get pickled. You know, um, you know, you. I was only drinking when I went out to dinner or went to a bar or well, any of that stuff. Um, it just began to snowball, and so um, I don't know if you can moderate. I think that's a form of harm reduction. Um, like if you have a serious alcoholic and you can get them from a case of beer down to like two or three, I think that's a step in the right direction. Right, but don't make that your endpoint, really. Yeah, I, I think moderation is a is a great thing if you can accomplish it for a little while if it takes you away from the, the danger zone um but really the thing to do here is just cut it out um more likely you moderation will just make you irritable and yeah. make you want to stop drinking entirely because there's no sense being somewhat irritable all the time yeah. 
I take, right. I get a lot of joy out of being able to not drink. And, you know, when I go out like to these, the brewery and, uh, you know, as we go on our trip, uh, this weekend, right. we're going to find ourselves in breweries. And now I've been, I've been tested in a brewery already. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was fine, even though they only had <laughs> tap water. <laughs> so I know that I can, I can be all right and we can have fun and we'll be together and, uh, we'll be getting some good, uh, good material for the show. Hopefully. Yeah. Um, it'll be great. We'll so, be on all the water slides and everything. So do you have any final thoughts on, uh, the moderation article? Hmm. No, <laughs> I think I've said everything that needs to be said. So the final sentence here, which we'll read of the article might close it out for many drinkers. Moderation is hell. It doesn't work long term, and it's not enjoyable. Anyway, I say to hell with moderation to hell with it. Sobriety is far simpler and easier. These days, I prefer simple and easy. And that's recovery in the news. Special, yeah. Special news. Special news. You gonna do it again? Okay. Yeah. How do you think that went? The the whole recovering the news being the center of the show. I think it might've been all right. I think I enjoyed it. It was good. I, I like talking about articles fresh. Yeah, it does. I like it. I, I think maybe we'll, we'll, we'll do these uh, new specials um, periodically when yeah. we run out of topics and books to discuss. And people cancel on us at the last minute. Yes. And what time is it now? This week in weird. Ooh. Mutilated cow discovered. <laughs> Following the UFO uh, sighting uh, by Tim Benal. Mutilate again? Yeah, I, I tried to look elsewhere, and I, I just I like what he does more than other paranormal craftsmen journalists. <laughs> Wordsmith. In a curious case out of Argentina, an unfortunate cow was discovered <laughs> mutilated under mysterious circumstances the day after a puzzling UFO was witnessed in the same location, according to researcher. George or Jorge Gabriel. George. Uh, the odd incident occurred last month in the rural province of La Pampa when a man working in a field spotted a, quote, dim light moving beneath another brighter object that was suspended in the air. The two UFOs subsequently melted into one and <laughs> departed from the sky at incredible speed. The wondrous event took a dark turn the following day when the witness returned to work and made a grim discovery. Around 1,500 feet from where he had seen the UFO, the worker stumbled upon a cow that had been mutilated in a manner all too familiar with those who have studied the strange phenomenon. This is a strange phenomenon that happens? Mutilated, yes, cattle mutilations. Look it up. Um, when the man tried to bring his dog near the downed creature, refused to go near the dead animal, and uh, it would appear to be the case with any other natural scavengers as the carcass remained untouched for days. Um, reflecting huh. on similar cases that he has investigated in the past, Roman indicated that the targeted creatures are often found on the ground as if they had been dropped there like, quote, bags of potatoes. So what do you think happened? Do you think it was taken into the UFO and anally probed and then skinned and then thrown back into the earth? Well, and why don't they find human skinned and thrown back onto the earth? Because they take the whole human, they consume it. Um, <laughs> but cattle mutilations have been in the news for decades and decades. Um, we don't know. Usually the, the cattle is found completely bloodless with uh, 
Uh, organs removed well, that's surgically. that's a vampire or something, isn't it? Well, it could be a chupacabra, but... Chupacabra. But they don't... They're sucking the blood out. But, right. um, you know, it's uh, it's one way to explain how these cattle mutilations happen. And here you have a guy who, you know, they see the UFO and then you see the cattle. I mean, it's... Sure. It's not it, like Jorge couldn't have been drinking too much local hooch or yeah, anything. <laughs> and killed the cow himself in a fit of I think, rage. I think he's actually the chair at a local AA meeting there. <laughs> um, and so, uh, with that... It's weak and weird. That's pretty fucking weird. And a little dark, too. A little dark. Yeah. Um, it was a great show. That about does it for today. <laughs> yeah. uh, visit us at middleagesrecovery.com. Oh, you have an ending on your outline. Oh, I you didn't not. get one? Oh, wait. Here it is. Uh, yeah. And Never check mind. out our new merch page. We got some new shirts coming. We have the old shirts that are awesome. Um, Jeff D's got this awesome new design. Uh, me and Mike are working on that this week. Join the discussion on our exclusive and private Facebook group. If you need to talk, don't hesitate to reach out to us on social media. Check out our show notes. They're really funny. Um, also, we need reviews, guys. Uh, this is a call to arms. And stars. Go to iTunes or Apple Podcasts app. Write a review. Five stars. Say something cool. Say something funny. Be pithy. Yes, um, pithy. Pithy. And um, please do that. We'll read it on the show. It'll be a lot of fun. Uh, tell us your story. We, we get a, a bunch of cool stories sometimes, and uh, sometimes we just get bots like wanting us to advertise things. But tell us your story on the website. There is a, a little form you can fill out, and um, we like to feature our listeners' stories. And if you have a compelling story and you want to be a guest on uh, Recovery in the Middle Ages, let us know. Message us. Yeah. Uh, listen to us on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Facebook, Instagram, Spotify, Amazon, YouTube, and Twitter. So tweet us a twat, you twit. Please go and make a review. <laughs> I wrote forth. that again. <laughs> Go forth and sin no more. Yes, and as we say, non proficiat perfectum. That's progress, not perfection. See you next time. Be good, folks. Yeah.